podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, 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 hello, and and it is the uh, the WTA show, uh, ready to talk all things uh, women's tennis, uh, because we didn't actually have any WTA main tour events happening this week. Instead, it was the uh, Billie Jean King Cup, um, and I'm very honoured to have uh, someone on the show who was actually taking part in the Billie Jean King Cup this week, uh, playing for Georgia, um, Sophia uh, Shapatova. Sophia, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very good. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm very well, thanks, Sophia. And, you know, we're always going to have you back. You did a, we remember your brilliant interview you had with uh, Jack a few months back. And uh, um, we felt we couldn't think of a better guest to have on to discuss uh, all things Billie Jean King Cup, um, which uh, I think often gets overlooked in the grand scheme of things and probably unfairly, but we can talk a bit more about that. Um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about you a little bit first and, um, how things went for, uh, you this week. So for just to bring people up to speed who may not necessarily know how Billie Jean King Cup works, uh, maybe it's your first time in interaction with the competition. Um, so obviously you, you were playing for Georgia, um, who were in the, um, the group two of the Billie Jean King Cup, which is kind of like the mid, mid tier level. Um, yeah. and um you were playing for basically six days straight um yeah five days to five gets five consecutive opponents from different countries um and then um got to the eventually got yourself to the uh playoff final with the winner potentially getting promoted to uh group one um and what lost what ended up being um a tight tie against portugal unfortunately um yeah is it still hurting a little bit? Well, uh, my biggest problem is that honestly, I love to play for my country so much that I underperform while trying to overperform. So I, okay. I'm not, I'm not really happy with the level of tennis that I produced this week. But of course, I've, I'm like honored and humbled, of course, to represent my country again. It was actually my. 12th time on the national team, which is a very good achievement for me, I think, because it's been 12 years that I'm representing my country on a national level. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it would be great if we got to the group one because we were there before, we've been there, and it would be great to get back there. But it didn't happen this year. But I got a little bit of a consolation for that because the, the girl I lost to in a final of a Fed Cup week, uh, Ines Murta from Portugal. I got to play her today, first round of qualis in Irish 100k, and I beat her today. Oh wow! Which was a good feeling. <laughs> which was a good, which was a good feeling. A day too late, I would say, but I mean, still some consolation, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's face it. We we don't know what would have happened if it had gone to that uh, deciding doubles. I mean, anything um, could have gone down, but. Um, yeah. l- looking at your, like, I mean, looking at it, I mean, like you, you pretty much pushed every single opponent you played, um, yeah. even if you didn't win. Um, 
but uh, yeah, um, which makes it sound like you didn't win any matches. You did win matches. You did, you did win uh, a little bit this week. So um, yeah, I mean, my problem is I started week really bad actually because we played against Ireland and I won a set from being two five down, and I just literally stepped into a bad spot in the court and I injured my leg. Oh. And that was my problem for the upcoming, like, for three, four days. I actually was on injections and painkillers. So I, I couldn't produce the best tennis because I simply couldn't, like, uh, move very well and cover the courts. So obviously that affected also the quality of my shots and the speed. But, you know, uh, I always give my best. So whatever I had in me, I tried. And, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm I'm satisfied with the way I fought. Of course, I would be glad if I played a bit better and brought that final point. But I did fight and gave yeah. all I had. Like you know, I could easily just not play because the level of pain in my leg was actually quite high. But I I tried, and I think that counts when you try your best. I, I would fully agree. I, I prefer to. And you were talking earlier about being frustrated about the the level that you you were producing I mean it's understandable if you're restricted by an injury and I yes. think um any everyone in the tennis community needs to be a little bit more easygoing when it comes to um these things um because you don't want to push yourself too far and cause longer term issues I mean you were actually we know we before you came on um that you were having treatment uh, was that for that injury then yes exactly because uh well, my ranking is not that great this year. And obviously, I'm trying to play the biggest tournaments I can. Like, Billie Jean King Cup was obviously my top priority for this month. And I wanted to play there. But also, I got into this Oirash 100K tournament. And it's uh, one of the biggest events I could get into with the ranking I have right now. So I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to still try. And... Well, I do still have pain in that leg, but it's at the level where it's already moderate and I can control it and it's not causing that much trouble anymore. But I obviously do need to get treatment still. Yeah. And and it's going to be one of those. Is it, is it an injury that's going to need managing for um, a few days or a few weeks or even a few months? Well, it's the, it's the type of muscle that hurts for a long while and it kind of like you always feel it a little bit and will probably need a couple of weeks obviously while you're playing it's not getting better as fast as it could mm. but uh, you know I'm at the age where uh, I'd rather try everything I can than not and yeah you know just try to take some chances if I if I can yeah well it's yeah absolutely if it's worth it and if you can if you can play through it and you're not going to call you're yeah. risking too much long-term damage um, I can see why it'd be worth having yeah, a go at that um i'm interested to know um oh actually let's um answer ghost's question first before we talk uh, my, into my next question because actually he's jumping in with a, a good one um do you have a trainer or medical team i would assume given your ranking you probably don't but there might well, be something uh, with georgia <laughs> i would I would say like, well, on the Billie Jean King Cup, we did have a trainer with us, uh, with the team, but obviously not my personal trainer. I mean, that's a luxury that I, I think top 10, maybe top 20 athletes have. I do have my physio back home in Georgia, but obviously I see him once in a while when I get back home. Uh, usually tournament provides a physio and trainer, unfortunately, on ITF level tournaments. 
they are not that great. So uh, to be very honest, I'd rather not go to physio than go. Even when I feel some pain, when it's moderate, I'd rather just try to do like hot bath or ice bath, everything I can myself. Here actually in Portugal, Tennis Federation works really good to organize events and physios here are luckily very good. But in general, on ITF tour, that's a very, very big unresolved issue for now. Okay, that's so you go. things that I didn't know before that <laughs> uh, you learn something every day, especially when talking to someone who is doing doing that grind on the ITF tour. Yeah, um, which obviously you talked to Jack a bit about before. Um, so yes, to people go and check out that previous interview. Uh, going to, to going back to Billie Jean King Cup. Um, obviously, we've talked a little bit about playing on the ITF tour. Um, what's it like in comparison playing Billie Jean King Cup? I know Group One probably doesn't get the same level of media attention as maybe the the qualifiers we're getting, and um, we'll probably talk about the qualifiers in a little bit. But um, yeah, what's it what's it like playing? And in such intense circumstances, is it much the same as going deep in an ITF tournament? Oh my God, it's much harder. Uh, to be okay. honest, uh, to be honest, it hurts a bit to watch how much media is playing the qualifyings and playoffs, and how little attention these lower tiers of Billie Jean King Cup that gets. I mean, don't get me wrong. We also had Estonia and Greece. Uh, in our group, which has Annette Contaveit and Maria Sakari, players like that. And last year, Ons Jabeur was playing the same tier of Fed Cup. And, you know, you get players like between, you can get a player of top 100 or top 200 or even top 500, but everyone plays different when it comes to playing to, for your country. Everyone is very tense. Everyone wants to play really good. And, you know, top 200 player can be like top 10 player because they're simply playing their heart out and they might play just this one match extraordinary. And just the level of physicality of this level of Fat Cup, Billie King Cup, sorry, like six days straight, you have to get up at six, you're at breakfast with your team, you go warm up all together. Then there's one singles, there's no break, there's another singles, and then there's no break and you play doubles. Doubles is adds, doubles is third set, not like on a random tournament. There's no super tiebreaker, there's full set in doubles. And, you know, as I played 12 years for my country and I played this year, obviously in position two, but I've played in position one. And when you play in position one, it's basically a bear off. In 2014, I even got an award for like input for my country because I played five days straight. I played five singles and five doubles and I played uh, three setter singles and I had a 20 minute break. So I had no chance to eat or get a treatment or anything. And then I went to play doubles and I played three sets of doubles. So basically six sets in a row, like yeah. full sets. Uh, and by the end of the week, I had full body cramps almost every hour. And it's like, it's insane. And the level of physicality that girls go through, it's almost like uh, like countries like Greece, the Spina Papa Mikhail this year played every single and every double with the 20 minute break, which is insane. Francesca Georgia also played for Portugal every single and every double necessary, also without a break. You know, when it comes when they talk that guys play five sets and girls play three sets, like on this level, you can see just the 
random female play just six sets in a row without a break or anything in a hit and just the media coverage and how little it is just is astonishing because it's so interesting and so yeah. physical and so actually extraordinary that I, I think it should be advertised way way more just because the format allows it to be so interesting yeah I, absolutely I, mean, I, I was gonna ask you about the the format and obviously you know the fact it's it's six days of that intensity where you could play six consecutive sets exactly um this sound um it sounds tough but you're overall positive about that format well it's something that you know like as an athlete uh, i'm actually a, like a fitness freak and i i just love this uh, uh how do you call it like I, I, I just love that hard thing that's in front of me and I'm kind of curious how far I can go as a person. Like personally for me, it's very like interesting. Can I handle it? Can I handle it two days in a row? Can I handle it a week in a row? And well, basically how bad I'll be in the end of the week. So that's that's actually like, I just I don't know. You know, pressure is a privilege. I mean, it's said correctly. It, it, it's fun, it's painful, but it's fun at the same time. It's very hard to describe the feeling. You're completely nervous and tight, almost cramped up. But at the same time, you're super excited and you're very tired, but you're very motivated to get up in the morning. So it's it's very mixed feeling. It's something you get only on a Billie Jean King Cup, I would say, because on your personal tournaments it's still different you just step on the court and you play for yourself maybe for a couple of people in your team and here you play for your country and you know for sure there's a live stream and many many people watch you and for them it means a lot and every time you lose a point you go like crap no. like you know like and you know when you start a match on a normal tournament you lose first game and you go like well okay i just started a match you start a match on a building king cup you're going zero one and you're like oh no next game you gotta win for sure you know like yeah. it's just something different and, and it's fun and happens only once a year so it's it makes it even more special and i'm i'm glad you enjoy it because i think a lot of um a lot of tennis fans enjoy uh the the, the other things that we enjoy about watching the game is that physical challenge that's clearly there and it's fascinating to hear that a player such as yourself feels the same way of like they're mo you're motivated by that challenge um so it, it's good to see that it's not a toxic relationship here um maybe a bit <laughs> maybe a little bit okay not completely toxic um but uh uh but that's uh but i i completely agree with your assessment that given we uh are in a situation um where you know often physical achievements in tennis are praised the fact that at this level of Billie Jean King Cup we have players who are pushing that boundary yeah it does need to be shouted out more and I think if we were in a country if um if you're in a country um at that level it definitely needs to be shouted out especially if you're an Estonia or a Greece who does have the top players um I think GB was at that level at one point but when we were at that level, um, speaking as a fan over here, um, we didn't actually have, like, the coverage was very minimal. Um, exactly. Well, we played actually Great Britain once in, okay. uh, le like, this level. Uh, actually, Georgia as a country, we lost to them 2-1. Uh, 
which was actually great that we won a point because you had Joan Conta and uh, Heather Watson and it was like you know we were clear underdogs but we we, we loved every point we got there <laughs> so were, yeah. were you playing in that tie yeah I lost to Heather Watson singles and then me and my doubles partner would be doubles of if I'm not mistaking Jocelyn Ryan Anna Smith, I want to say, but I'm not completely sure about that. We played actually in Israel Eilats. It was a very nice venue and it was exactly the same format. It was two round robins. You played four countries, then you played the promotional or you could go down. So our goal as a country was actually to stay in that Euro Africa zone one because that, that that's our for the moment only goal that we can have as a country with the amount of players we're having. Yeah, but 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 yeah. I mean, that was our goal actually this year to go from Group Two to Group One, but didn't happen. We lost the final. But basically, that's where Georgia wants to be because obviously, when you don't have a top ten or top twenty player, it's very hard to talk about anything higher. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, actually, I was going to ask you about that. Um, given how close you came this year to going to Group One, um, how how optimistic are you? How realistic do you think? it would be for Georgia to go up to group one um, oh, next I think, year. Oh, I think it was very realistic this year too. You know, like the problem is that, like, as I said, I got injured actually first day. And even though I played and I tried, I did feel pain all the week. So I couldn't play my best tennis as a number two. Uh, a very, uh, very bad incident happened to our number one. Uh, her mm. cousin actually died this week back in Georgia. and She was devastated and... You know, she also stayed and played and uh, she did all her best. But also by the end of the week, she was worn off because the mental stress she was going through all week. Like, of course, it played a big role. So last two days, she was completely done physically and mentally. So both of us were out of shape. Our number three right now, Marian Bolkwadze, which used to be top 150 player, also went underwent a surgery, so she couldn't even participate in this year's Billie Jean King Cup. And apart from that, we have to two top 50 doubles players, which is Oksana Kalashnikova and Natella Zalamidze. So obviously our team is good enough for sure to be in group one. It was just a series of these unfortunate events that happened to every single team member, you know. Uh, so, so I think if we are all in shape and we're all playing uh, to our optimum capacity, let's say, I think we have a really, really good chance. Yeah. I, I, well, look, you've got to be, uh, I think you should be hopeful of that, especially since, you know, if you were playing with effectively one hand behind, tied behind your back, then yeah, you should be uh, optimistic. Um, although I would say your group's probably a little bit tougher because Estonia didn't go up. So that state, you've still got Contivate in the mix and Croatia got relegated. So you've got a couple of decent players. Uh, Dona Vekic is the first one I can think of at the top of my head for Croatia. Anna Konjuk uh, is a bit. Anna Konjuk, yeah. That's what I was um, supposed to say. Uh, well, obviously, there's always... Uh, it, it was never easy, but, you know, you only have to beat one player at a time. It's You don't think about every single team. You get up and you think about the team that's in front of you. Then, you know, you never know what happens. For instance, Greece this year had Maria Sakkari with them, but she couldn't play due to some health issues, as far as I know. And Despina Papa Mikhail took over as a number one. And actually, she beat Annette Konkavit, which was a huge upset. And she beat her quite comfortably. As I said, Fed, the Legion King Cup is a competition where surprises happen because... Some people get more tight and underplay. Some people get 
more excited and they go over their limits even if it, that happens only that week you know so like even the girl i played today and yesterday it was the same player she played completely differently yesterday when there was like a center court and full stance shouting like portugal portugal today it was a different person because you know the the crowd pushed her uh, yesterday she felt excited it was very important it was for the country and today when it was tougher moments you could see she played a bit worse than than she did yesterday so you know, no matter who you're playing on the Billie Jean King Cup, you have a chance to win and, and you know, better the player, more interesting it is to play. Yeah. Well, before we move on to, um, uh, before I, like, Ghost really wants to know, does Georgia have a rival in the Billie Jean King Cup, like another nation that you really, really want to be? Actually, no. Okay. Actually, no. The problem is our country is very small and we, we, we don't have a lot of players. So we can't, I would think we don't, we cannot physically even have rivalry with some country because just by the amount of players we're going to lose. But I mean, Georgia always wants to like do best of their possibilities. Like we used to be number 36 in the world as a country, which is shocking to me because we only had like four players in the ranking. So this is already insane result for us. And we also had an ATP player that was number 15 in the world, Nicolas Basilashvili. So I think as a country with such a little uh, history of tennis and with such little funding actually we have almost no funding really <laughs> for real we, we we have nothing to be honest so uh, it, it's just insane to me that we even can compete at this level i mean it's already halfway miracle so i i don't think we can afford to have rivals as a country <laughs> i hey you never know you i i just didn't know whether you would uh, you know um have a have a strong rival with kazakhstan or something but uh... <laughs> i think they beat us financially before we went on course <laughs> uh fair but you know georgian uh but yeah georgian tennis you know we've got you've, you've got a history of some decent players like basilashvili i think there's a player of like my tennis history is a bit not great but we had a uh, we, we had a female tennis player that used to be number 11 in the world Was and it... number seven in the ranking leila Masri. yes uh, alex metravelli he played wimbledon final uh obviously yep. amazing achievement and we also had so many good players but they happened to play for ussr because it was ussr at that moment but we did have a lot of good tennis player we had ala ivanova who played a, if i'm not mistaken i want to do i don't want to do a mistake here because this will be <laughs> disrespectful but i think she played wimbledon semi-final and what's also sensational to know that she did so while not having any practice partner or a coach she simply practiced with the wall every wow. single day and she went to Wimbledon and she played semi-final, which I think is uh, insane. <laughs> I cannot even imagine that, but that happened and it's a true story. So so we do have a tennis history. It's just our country is so small and there's such a, so little funding and so little tennis courts. We almost have no indoors, you know. It's, it's, it's really very hard to achieve anything from there. So everything we achieve as a team or as individuals, I think it's outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, look, let's uh, let's hope to see you uh, make your way up, back up those rankings as you're hoping. I saw um, someone wrote that uh, Georgian wine has to be really good. Yeah, that was that. That actually, actually was uh, our producer. Yes. 
It is very good. It, actually, uh, fun fact is not many people know it, but uh, Georgia is the country where the wine was created. It's a cradle of wine. Uh, historically, they found uh, very old <laughs> wineries in our country. And it's one of the cheapest wines actually in the world, but it's really, really good. Maybe you'll get to try it one day. Hey, look, cheap and good sounds uh, pretty well sold, well sold. Um, go and uh, everyone go and Google Georgian wine straight away. For um, sure, I, I would recommend it's called Hwanchkara. It's my favorite. So you can Google that one. <laughs> okay. Um, might need to tell us how to spell it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> For sure. uh, um, I'm just going to do a quick, I mean, I know we, I think we've spent the right amount of time on uh, sort of Georgia's performance of the Beijing King Cup, sort of what it means. Yeah. Um, I actually got to attend GB versus France in the qualifiers as a fan, um, which uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. It was a great atmosphere. Um, it's interesting to see sort of the scale of people getting really into it versus the really sort of polite British culture of tennis fans who um, who will just support everything. Um, and sort of the various different sort of fan levels of knowledge um, from talking to people as well. That was interesting. But your point about people kind of raising their game um, in, in, a, in a Beijing King Cup scenario was very much the true because none of the players that we put out were in the top 100. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, um, we had Katie Bolter who took Caroline Garcia, the number five in the world, to three tiebreak sets. Um, exactly. Like every match that was played had a tiebreak in it, at least one. Harriet Dart pushed Garcia, took her to three sets. Um, the doubles that I watched ended in as dramatic start as you could think with GB saving match point and then winning it um, in the super tiebreaker. Um, that was... Uh, um, pretty uh that was pretty intense the crowd really got into that one towards the end uh but yeah it's absolutely like they the the, the gb players raised their game you know with the home crowd harriet dart very much feeding off as much as she could um so it was a really uh it was a really fun event so i just want to sort of highlight that saying like this is exactly what you're talking about and it was interesting yeah. listening to the um uh nichols and um barnett Alicia Nichols, Olivia Barnett. Um, uh, no, other way around. Uh, <laughs> Alicia <laughs> Barnett, Olivia Nichols. It's late this in this country. Uh, and uh, uh, saying that even though it was a dead rubber they were playing in the doubles effectively, it still matters to them to get a win for the crowd and to of get course. a win on the board for for GB to get something away to from this point, point which you they know. earned. Yeah. Yeah, which they very much earned, I think. Yeah. Um, this is the, that's the point like you, you know uh, it, it used to have a motto building King Cup back back when it was Fat Cup it used to have a motto it takes skill to play for your country because mm -hmm. it does take a skill it's it goes far beyond just playing tennis because uh, the way you have to handle yourself and emotions while playing tennis is something different which cannot be compared to just simply playing for yourself yeah absolutely and that, that additional pressure is it either makes or breaks you, I would, exactly. I, would, I would imagine. I mean, I've never done anything at a national level in my life. I cannot imagine anything like that. Um, um, I'm going to ask you to play a little bit of um, tennis analyst here. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you've been able to kind of keep up with um, sort of what's going on. Uh, for the benefit of the viewers, I'm just going to run down very, very quickly of course. the outcomes of the, the qualifiers for the finals that are happening um, later this year. So um, Spain made it through, Czech Republic, France, obviously, um, Canada, the US, Italy, Germany, Kazakhstan, um, and Slovenia in dramatic style because they came from 0-2 down to yeah. beat um, Romania in the deciding doubles. Um, uh, that was probably, and there was a bit of a story around sort of Kai Yuvan basically um, given some difficult personal circumstances. It was a big result for her. Um, uh, big tie was Kazakhstan versus Poland, but Igor Sviantek didn't end up playing that one. So um, the best, biggest match from that ended up being Rabakina versus Lynette. Um, yeah. but um, Canada was pretty tight as far as um, I, 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 I have because they, they yeah. decided in the doubles, didn't they? It did go to the doubles. Basically, that Leila Fernandez carried that team, she won both yeah. her singles matches. Her, the number two lost, the, lost their singles matches, and Fernandez was in the doubles and yeah, they yeah. won pretty comfortably. I, I actually, basically, all I could watch this week was this double, and it was pretty outstanding, I would say. Okay. Like, the, the way they played, it was, like, flawless, I would say. But, yeah, I was I was happy for them because I was rooting for Gabriela Dabrowski. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Dabr and Dabrowski is a very, um, a very popular player um, as well, um, also being on doubles. But, um, I mean, you probably, I don't know, when you were playing for number one, you probably didn't have the, did you, would you ever find that you had to be the one who was kind of carrying the main results for? Uh... Well, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a yes and a no. Okay. Because obviously, uh, like usually number two starts to play. So first, first one to go on court is number two and then is number one. So basically, it's really nice. I had years actually when I played as a number one and I won all the singles and all the doubles I participated in and it was a very good feeling. I also got very tired and yes, I did feel like I did carry the team, but still takes the second player in the doubles to win the doubles with you, you know, mm. and also all the team cheers for you. So it's not only your work, like they're cheering for you, they're pushing you, you know, they're helping you. Also, just because I also happen to play number two, I know how it feels to actually start and the pressure number two feels when they go on court because their point is first. So either you give confidence to number one and they start at 1-0, you know, so if they lose, you still didn't lose, you know, it's 1-0. Either you give the pressure to number one because if you lose, it's 0-1 and then if number one loses, then you basically lose. So, so it's kind of like I do feel that number one player has to carry a team, but I do think number two is also equally important because it sets the tone for like the tie to be more tight or maybe a bit more like, you know, okay, I'm nervous, but I have like this point behind me so I can still be a bit like free. So it's always the team. It's it's not only you. And anyway, even if you are participating in singles and in doubles, there's still a doubles player next to you who is actually decent and who also have to play really good and step up for you for you to win this double you cannot still win it alone obviously if Leila Fernandez played very well but Gabi Dabrowski did like three double faults or Mr. Wallace they would still lose yeah so uh, that means that Gabi had to equally play really really well that double for them to win that let's say easy 
by by the score. Yeah. But, so obviously it wasn't only Layla. Of course she won her singles, but there was still team with her, cheering for her, pushing her. And there still was Gabby who was standing with her in the doubles, playing outstanding tennis. And there was a team captain who was coaching there on every single match. Like team captain is actually also on very under, how do you say it? Under... Uh, underrated? Yeah, underappreciated. Under underrated, under-advertised person on the team because team captain has to choose which player has to go on court, which player is the right uh, fit for this time, which player feels good today, which player is less nervous and you can see who you can put, who is better fit for a doubles match. Like, it's all captain. Captain sits on every single match on a chair in uh, any weather. And when a player plays a match, the player has a chance to go to the locker room, change, have a snack, have a coffee, come back. Captain has to be always there. So it's a very, very tough thing to do. You're just standing and playing matches in a row. And actually, none of them get enough advertisement or credit, to be honest. I don't think a lot of people really fully understand what a team captain does. And then yeah. when things go wrong, they're the one to get all the flack. Um, obviously, so going going back to the, the bigger picture stuff, so obviously we've, we've had the nine qualifiers. They're going to be joining Australia and Switzerland in the finals. Yeah. Um, and obviously we don't know who the 12th team yet is going to be because the wild cards haven't been introduced. Obviously, as a GB fan, I'm hoping it's going to be GB, but I would also say that um Romania um and Poland probably would also be worthy um recipients of it um i from from having no from knowing who you is on the team who would you say is going to be going into the finals in the strongest position as a whole team well uh well i would say canada is a very good candidacy if given if Bianca Andreescu is obviously fit because then they would have a, two really good singles player and a doubles player. Uh, Kazakhstan has Rybakina and Putintseva and I think it's really good. But again, as I said, it's really, really hard to predict because it depends who gets more stressed and tired and who will actually step up for the challenge, you know. Uh, so I really, really think there's not much favorites in Billie King Cup that's to be fair like yeah I, I would agree with that I don't think anyone called Switzerland winning it um, yeah. last year despite the fact that when you think about it on paper they've got two very very strong players in Belinda well, Benchich yeah, and Heitman um, yeah they do but when you think of of them as a team and how you know like how big other teams are and other countries like even USA you know like you don't give this favor to Switzerland, like, oh, Switzerland is going to beat USA or Switzerland is going to beat Kazakhstan or Poland with Iga Świątek, you know? So, yeah, they, they are underdogs on the paper still. But, but they did win it because they do have a heart. And Belinda Bench has actually proved many, many times she's a good team player. On a Hopman Cup, she played amazing. Every time she plays for a team, she plays good. She played really good for a junior Fed Cup team when she was back, when she was junior. So... This is a player who actually steps up always when it comes to defending her country. So it, it's really hard. Like I, I, I would cheer for Canada because I do think they do play quality tennis. But then we never know. We'll see. Yeah. Canada's a fun team. Leila Fernandez is one of my favorite players to watch uh, on the main tour. Um, 
Dubrovsky, as I said, um, is uh, uh, a really good doubles player and also, let's face it, um, someone who I'm connected with through um, popcorn tennis, which is something I, I, I'm involved with, um, is um, part of the Team Canada um, media team. And so um, he's. I'm going to be uh, obviously rooting for them a little bit um, anyway as well. Um, something I just wanted to just to close off on Billie Jean King Cup. Yeah. Um, it doesn't actually f- often feature very highly on people's list. People's list of events, tennis events they would attend. So very unscientific um, thing here. A lot. Oh, a couple of weeks ago on my Twitter. Um, I basically said, of the big tennis events, which ones are you most wanting to go to? Sort of rank it most to least. Um, and I basically just listed all the major championships, all the 1,000 events on the ATP and the WTA. And I included Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup because I do think those events have significant status. Um, probably throw the Olympics in as well. I threw the Olympics in as well. Yeah. Um, with... And Billie Jean King Cup and Davis Cup, I will be fair here, ranked fairly low. Very few people mentioned them. And when they were mentioned, they were at the bottom of a lot of people's lists. It was a very, and I have quite an international sort of cross-reference on on, on my Twitter following. Um, I think on here we've got, um, I asked John this earlier, um, we've got people from GB, USA, France, Canada, Germany. Um, we may well have some people from Georgia watching because you're on. Um <laughs> today so hello if you're from georgia um what um why do you think it would be worth attending uh, the Billie Jean king cup tie as a fan at any level um pitch it to us well first of all uh you can cheer way looser on the Billie Jean king cup and davis cup you know there are certain rules as a fan you have to follow on every big event and on the majors you know you have to be very quiet you can clap but like kind of more uh you know more legally <laughs> you know on Billie Jean king cup everyone shouts screams yells like it's more fun the atmosphere is crazy and there's really no rules and boundaries it's almost like a football game so that makes it very very fun so i i i i would recommend every tennis fan to attend this event at least once because they will fall in love with it and they will always want to attend it then i just think as i said i just really think it's not advertised as good as other majors and other events also i think the big issue i why it's so unpopular is because it doesn't give a ranking point so basically no matter how good or bad you perform it doesn't matter for the ranking and i think that that's not exciting for tennis fans you know it doesn't matter if sofia shapatawa beats like five top 10 players in a week she's still gonna stay 400 in the rankings regardless and it doesn't matter if a top tennis player loses five matches in a week he's still gonna stay like top 10 tennis player and i think that's not as exciting I do think it would be great if tours considered giving points because it's so, as I said, it's so physical, it's so emotional, it's so interesting. I do think that players deserve to get rewarded for that, but I don't know if that's going to happen in the near future, but I think that would make it also a bit more interesting for the fans. I would support that, to be honest, not just for the players, again, the ones who do perform well in the in the team competitions, but also it would increase fan engagement. I mean, I know Davis Cup gave points at one point for the ATP. At one point, I think. I remember, 
Andy Murray getting to number two because he won the Davis Cup, but I, I didn't realize that Fed Cup never had that. Yeah, I don't want to be like wrong and mistaken because I don't remember specifically every single moment of it. I just can like only can relate to less 12 years, I would say, since I'm playing it. And well, it never had points. So I do think right. it would make it more interesting for fans if they knew that uh, their country woman or their countryman could like gain positions in the ranking if they came and supported. Yeah, I think and generally sort of national events, getting behind a team is possibly easier than getting behind a, a player as well. Because yes. I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, who's playing? Who Who is it? Um, I I was sat next to someone at the Billie Jean King Cup who genuinely did not know who the top 10 in the women's rankings were. <laughs> he was only following, he only followed British players um, <laughs> and how they were doing. So... Okay. Um, so it was sort of in the big picture stuff, but like you get behind your team or any, any kind of team, I think, uh, it could probably help. Um, and it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's a great event. I mean, I do think that the, the GB France tie that I attended, the atmosphere wasn't quite as rocking as sort of you described. There were people trying to sort of cheer and gee everyone up, but the, the, the audience was a little bit too polite. Um, yeah. That shouldn't happen on Billie Jean King Cup. It should go crazy. <laughs> it was there was definitely like pockets. Like we had a we have what we call the British Barmy Army with like complete with mm -hmm. trumpets and everything. There was a yeah. guy in all decked out and you all Union Jack cheering on the players whenever he could. Um, there was one guy who had, had a little bit too much to drink, um, who was trying to put off the French players between serves <laughs> and got kicked out of the stadium. Um, and then the French had a very strong contingent who were also very noisy and very inventive with the songs they were singing. But they, we were all sat on one side of the court and I couldn't really see much going on like around the other stands. So, yeah, we definitely needed some more rowdier people turning up. To be, to be very fair, uh, uh, GB, whenever they came to group part of the Billie Jean King Cup, they were in... As I said, in Israel, they were, if I'm not wrong, in Budapest, twice or three times they were on the same level with us. To be very fair, they did travel with a 20-people uh, group of fans, which was actually a luxury because other teams didn't. And that guy with the trumpets, I think he was there because I remember yeah. him annoying me on my match. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. so to be fair, they were there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, we've gone over a little bit because obviously I think we originally said 30 minutes to you. Um, okay. uh, if you want to keep going, you're more than welcome to, if you obviously need to rest before playing tomorrow, completely understand. Um, and we can always get, um, so, uh, someone else quickly subbing in, but like the only other thing left was to quickly preview Stuttgart. Um, because obviously, uh, this is a weekly show. We're sort of looking ahead to that. So, um, what do you want to do, Sophia? Uh, I unfortunately I do have to zoom out because I do play first match tomorrow and it's at 10 so I have to leave early so I, I will be leaving you okay. but I really appreciate you inviting me and your patience for waiting for me actually and uh, well, well, I wish right. you I wish you very good luck for your show and I hope it gets more followers because it's fun oh thanks very much Sophia appreciate it and like it's been absolutely brilliant listening to an insider's perspective on what it's like on Billy Jinking Cup and giving this event the love that it deserves. Um, so obviously you're playing an ITF event in Portugal. What level was it? 100K? 
It's a hundred k. Yeah, hundred k. So big. For, it's the I, biggest yeah. ITF actually. Yeah. So so it's still quite exciting. <laughs> so yeah. And, and that's lots of um, lots of uh, opportunities for you to you know do well here. Um, as long as there's not too many people who uh, couldn't get into Stuttgart here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, you have a, a management company as well, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's called Shaffer Management. Random, but yeah, I do. And uh, what? And is that purely tennis management? Is that sports in general? Sort of. What does that do? It's basically. It's. I wanted to create a space uh, where I could connect. Uh, Tennis universities, organization of the tournaments, uh, you know, organization of a practice calendar. There's so many young players that are unaware of the system, unaware of the rules, unaware of how to manage the travel. Some of them want to go to university, but they have no contacts, they need equipment. So I kind of created this one safe space, let's say, for tennis players where they can find a mental coach, fitness coach, uh, nutrition coach, where they can find like easier path to create an easier path to professional tennis or a university level tennis, whichever they like. So basically I'm the mediator, if that's correct word in English, between tennis players and whatever they want to achieve. Which I think is a massively vital service, especially for those setting out on their journey or sort of lower down on the rankings. Um, so yeah, good on you for setting that up and hope it continues to grow. I hope so too, because uh, strangely, this is actually a very rare thing where we can find in tennis this sort of services where you can like call someone and say, look, I want to get into university or can you help me set up my calendar or look, I really struggle mentally and I need a mental coach. How you help me find someone good? So I, th I think it's useful. So let's see how it goes. I hope it actually uh, starts working really well. All right. Well, Good luck with that. Good luck tomorrow um, playing in about, um, is it 11 hours? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Get yeah. some sleep, Sophia. Thank you Thank so you. much for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, see you soon, hopefully. Um, I'm going to stay okay. on. I'm going to stay on and talk to the chat a little bit about Stuttgart. Um, take care, Bye. Sophia. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Um, yeah. So... Obviously, hello, Max. I've seen you've joined. And we've got John on as well. How are um, you doing? All right? Yeah. Yeah. All good. That was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that interview. Good. You uh, did, did great. And it was great to have Sophia on again and getting her her thoughts on playing and the pressures involved of, of playing both lower down the tennis period pyramid, but also, of course, the Billie Jean King Cup and the, the excitement that comes with that and also the pressure as, as well that she, she highlighted. But yeah, let's get to Stuttgart, shall we? Um, yeah. Let me let me ask you a couple of questions, or at least introduce okay. you, Nick, uh, to the to the other side of the fence, so to speak. Are you pumped? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I know a lot of people are unsure whether it's a good thing that WTA 500 is so stacked, and I do think that the clay the clay season on the WTA is a little bit too congested. Um. And more players need a bit more warm up. Um, as I kind of cracked about with um, Sophia about you know, having to drop down to ITF level to get some time in, uh, because it's impossible to get into well the big events like Stuttgart is a what a thirty like I think the top four have have buys, um, and it's a you know it starts at the last thirty two. So 
realistically, if you're top 20 in the world, you're just about getting in if you wanted to. So um, Paolo Badosa had to get on a wild card. Um, it's mental. Um, but on the other hand, it does mean we've got some absolutely epic first rounds. I mean, okay, slight British bias here, but even so, um, two Grand Slam champions facing off in round one, Yelena Ostapenko and Eber Raducanu. Yes, please. If they're both playing well, that's going to be epic. Because Yelena Ostapenko, we don't know what you're going to get from her, but you know she's going to hit the ball incredibly hard. There's going to be some attitude. Emma's going to bring the fight. Let's go. I'm watching that one um, if um, I don't have to go to work. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally pumped for, for that match in particular. Um, and uh, you, you've got Barbora Krajikova and Ludmilla Samsonova in round one. You've got, uh, oh gosh, Karina Pliskova and Maria Sakkari in round one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, That's madness. And the fact that you can have quality matches from day one from round one um didn't is... Zhang uh mm-hmm. last year Kunwen Zhang she played Iga at Roland Garros right yes pushed Iga might... to three sets yeah she might be the only person who took a set off her last year that's yep. a potential second round Alicia Parks of course won a title earlier on this year albeit that she's a lucky loser and Clay, but you would imagine Iga's first match will be against Zhang, although uh, Zhang can be a bit up and down, but that would be uh, special. Vekic has obviously just won her, for, uh, I believe it was her first title earlier this year as well, and had a great run in Australia, only to go out to the eventual winner. Pliskova doesn't need much of an introduction, nor does Maria Sacri, of course, French Open semi-finalist, I believe, and, and US Open semi-finalist as well. Angebeau, Probably the biggest shock of 2022 was her losing in the opening round at Roland Garros. She'll hope to rectify that this year. Ostapenko Raducanu is is is, a, is an exciting first match. Would you make Ostapenko favourite for that? Yes, given clay court pedigree and yeah. given sort of how she is, she's kind of top 20 at the minute. Emma isn't being an optimistic Brit, and given that Emma did reasonably well in Stuttgart last year. Um, I think she could beat Ostapenko. I think it does reply, rely on Ostapenko self-destructing a little bit, but you can kind of see that coming. There's a 50% chance of that happening. So yeah. I'm she's optimistic turned, about that She's also that turned a little bit of a corner this year, Shema. Yes, it does feel like that. Yeah. Trevisan have it had admired, doesn't need much introduction. I mean, these Trevisan is a former French Open semi-finalist, semifinalist. Right? Last year, maybe. Uh, mm. Was it? I'm not sure. Rebakina, of course, we know all about. Uh, Niemeyer's had good runs as well in the past. Coco Goff, last year's French Open finalist. Uh, Kudamatova, I know, is is somebody that, that that many people, I think, I think Jack might be quite big on her at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, listen, we could go on. Garcia obviously is in, in round two with a bye. Maybe her draw is a little kinder. Um, Maria, of course, has just won a tournament on clay in Bogota. So, yeah, but Badosa wild card, but she's kind That's of fallen off. First round. I forgot about that yeah. one. That's another yeah. epic. Yeah, Samsonova, Klaichikova. Klaichikova, by the way, Sabalenka, another <laughs> meeting between those two. They two keep meeting early on in tournaments and, and, and can't get much earlier than a second round as it would potentially be there. Any sort of broader thoughts regarding this tournament? Eager, of course, we need to have a quick word on her making her comeback. I, I do hope from her perspective that her comeback doesn't end super quickly in terms of that obviously very tricky second round that she might have. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's obviously anyone who watches this channel or follows me on Twitter knows that I am an Igish Fiontech fan. Um, I think on paper she should win this. She's the defending champion. She loves clay. Here's the thing, though. This clay behaves very differently. It's indoors. Um, oh, yeah, true. It's indoors. It's not as slow as Roland Garros or Rome, which is where Iga's been very comfortable over the last few years. Um, whereas, and um, given that uh, Jean Chin Wen um, um, is uh, is someone who's troubled Iga before, hits it pretty hard. Um, I am marking that as an upset alert in round two. Um, I think Jean will beat Parks. Generally, I find lucky losers don't have a lot of momentum in first round, and Parks yeah. on a would probably be more comfortable on a harder surface than Clay because it is still Clay, even if it behaves differently. Um, the movement's still different to a hard court. Um, I could see Jean knocking out Eager, who is obviously coming back from that injury, was troubled a little bit more in this tournament last year. I remember obviously kind of riding that wave of that winning streak and i do remember stuttgart being a tricky one for her um a trickier one like she nearly lost to ludmina sabasonova in the quarterfinals um she had to be emma 6464 sabalenka wasn't an easy final i think for her either um max i've seen in the chat you're talking about elena meeting eager so like even if he gets the semis rebacken is not going to be uncomfortable here and we know how that rivalry is going um so um, I I think that even though Eager on favourite it is pe- on favourite the on paper the favourite, not on favourite the paper. Um, the um, I do think that she's got a really tough draw, and I yep. could see her losing really early. And I think when I did my bracket, I have I think it was a tough choice for me between Rebecca or Sabalenka to win it. I edged Sabalenka in the end. I understand. Yeah, get voting, by the way. We've got a poll uh, going on for this particular tournament as to who you think will emerge the victor. I'll have a quick look at that poll in a second. Uh, before I do so, as you say, though, Iga's run, because uh, it won't get any easier after uh, Zheng, it could well be Sakari or Pliskova. Uh, who do you have winning that first round, by the way? Um, I actually think Pliskova. Yeah. I think this this conditions will suit her flat hitting pretty well um i don't think push is too bad a matchup for Sviantec though I, I do think Sviantec quite likes playing push on the whole yeah i don't yeah. i i think if if he did get through that jung test i think push would be fine if she plays sakari though and i'm wrong about that first round because that one could turn on a dime that's going to be quite close um sakari would be a different challenge Indeed, indeed. Um, so, uh, if I understand correctly, you have uh, you're just going Sabalenka, right, for the whole title. I, I am edging towards Sabalenka winning it. She's a finalist last year. Um, if she was Who to play, did she lose in... last year in the final? Sviantek. Oh, okay, of course. Yes, yeah, Sviantek would have been in the middle of her run. Yeah, I think the 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 the, the problem with Sviantek is a the draw, b she might just need a tournament to get up and running. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, let's see who we've got in our in our poll. Who's fifty five percent have gone for Sviontek, twenty seven percent have gone for Jabur. Of course, she has won a clay court title recently, um, and no one has gone for Sabalenka as yet. Uh, there is still time, obviously, to get voting before this show comes to an end. We'll probably bring it to an end in the next couple of minutes, but uh, yeah, make sure you get voting there. And other eighteen percent, who would be the fourth favourite after Sviontek, Jabur, and Sabalenka? Rabakina. 
Yeah, despite Rebecca. her lack of pedigree on the surface. Uh, no, Rebecca's got plenty of pedigree on clay. Um, okay. I think she's won a title on it. If I'm okay. I, I, to look it up, but I'm pretty sure she's got a clay title. I mean, even if she doesn't, she's a Roland Garros quarter finalist beating mm-hmm. Serena Williams. Okay. Um, yeah, true. True. So I, I would say that she's got clay pedigree. Maybe her CV isn't as starry as some of the others around her. So we're talking eager, obviously Sabalenka winning the Madrid Open a couple of years back. Finalist Ostapenko, of course. Yeah, Goff is someone I've seen mentioned in the chat um, uh, as well. Um, I think this clay behaves a little bit differently, but she might be in the mix for here. I think she, I could see her reaching the semis. Um, Krajikova, but I don't know if she's going to... I, I Krajikova is well. really tough for her. Like, I could see her losing to Sam Sonova in the first round. And then, and then you know, Sabalenka again. Man. I mean, she could come through them. I mean, her draw in, I know it's a different surface, but her draw in the WTA 1000, the first one of the year, was insanely difficult, but she managed to get through. Uh, by the way, I've got someone new in the chat, um, Jolan Siabi. I hope I'm saying your name right. Make sure you hit that like button and don't forget to subscribe. I tell you what, I'm going to go against you, uh, Nick, and I'm going to tip, uh, despite her tough draw, I'm going to go for Sviantec to win the title. Uh, look, let's face it. Um, fans tend to be the most pessimistic ones, right? Can be. Um, yeah. So, um, and I think it makes sense uh, to me. Like, I, I, it's one of those things where I'm being pessimistic. Uh, I could also easily be wrong, and we'll see Eager start the new clay streak. Cool. Which could well happen. Any final thoughts on the previous seven days, or even the next couple of months? Uh, we're going to be doing this obviously pretty much on a weekly basis. I'm off to Barcelona to cover the ATP uh, event there. I'll be heading off there on Thursday and then I'll be all over Madrid as well. But I'm sure we'll be most Sundays doing this. But any any, any, other, any other thoughts either on the previous seven days or the upcoming seven days, um, Nick? Before we bring uh, I think upcoming seven days, I'm just looking forward to um, a mega Stuttgart event that's just going to be action all the way through. Um There'll be plenty to keep our across the ATP, but um, Marion and Damien have got you covered there. Um, and uh, I hope that Barcelona is absolutely brilliant. It looks like a fan- fantastic tournament to visit. Um, and uh, But uh, I'll be thinking of you um, whilst I am enjoying watching um, the WTA indoors on clay in front of very fast Porsche cars. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, but I remember your poll, of course, recently on Twitter. Make sure you give Nick a, a follow on Twitter. What is your Twitter handle? Um, at Nick underscore B Carter. And of course, check out Popcorn Tennis. I did. Um, I think I put a link to Popcorn Tennis as well in the chat earlier. Uh, I know Nick and, and among many others. Basically, mm-hmm. Popcorn and, and Talking Tennis. I've been picking off various members of the Popcorn community over the last eight or nine months, picking off and picking their brains and so we we certainly cross over and, and check out their website and, and Nick on Twitter. Uh, an interesting uh, poll or question that you posed recently was tournaments that you would like to visit potentially or tournaments that you've been to, I think, was also among there that your favourite. So I, I did post in the live chat earlier, my sort of favourite that I've been to would be New York US Open. And one I've not been to, um, I, I, I think Indian Wells would be cool, but maybe a bit surreal just in terms of you kind of feel like on a tennis island, which if you love tennis is great, but sometimes it's also quite cool to to sort of get out and see things. But I'm not sure if there's much else to see around Indian Wells, uh, but bearing in mind you're in the desert. Um, I'm not sure what you, you, what you, what's your tournament you'd really like to visit? 
I touch in Indian Wells because I just want to be in that tennis bubble. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. I would want to go to also want to go to the ATP finals in Turin um, just because I've obviously done the uh, when it was in 02. Um, and I want us to compare the experience. And obviously, I also think it's one of the best tournaments in the world because it's just action, action, action. Same for the WTA finals. I really want to go there one day and sort of celebrate the best the WTA has to offer. Um, so I'd say off the top of my head, those are the three tournaments that I'd be most interested in visiting um, outside of the UK. Obviously, I will go back to Wimbledon at any given opportunity um, and uh, just sort of maybe mark off various different uh, um uk tournaments the one that fascinates me the most is um the challenger that takes place in ilkley because it just um for those who don't know like uh ilkley is a yorkshire town that even doesn't get thought about much from those who live in the uk so so the idea of there being a top level professional tennis tournament that happens there i just want to go there and experience it on that level just to put something a little bit more random out there there are just two very, very quick things I want to address that's in the chat. I, I agree with, I think, Jolanne. Hopefully, I'm saying your name right. Uh, I think Ange Jabeur is, is an interesting scenario to see how she gets on. She's a contender for sure. And I am fascinated to see if she can continue her, obviously, good form that she returned to in Charleston. And Max is mentioning I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys, uh, which reminds me of one occasion I was running a marathon and I was struggling as we got sort of the last sort of three or four miles or three or four kilometers. And I started singing uh, that. I came on my on my music as I was trudging on through and I just started singing and people started laughing around me. <laughs> I was, I had the earphones in so I couldn't, I could see people were laughing. And I knew what they were laughing about, but I didn't care. I needed to, needed something to get me through those last couple of kilometers. Uh, well, look, you've got to find um, some form of... Uh, uh... Uh, some form of motivation and hey you know backstreet boys is is one option um was it was it that song like i want it that way yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, know why max mentioning did you mention something about the backstreet no boys? so my name is nick carter of course yes. which is also a band member of the backstreet boys Got it. um Got it, yeah so um I've already sung once on a live stream. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I think I joined in too. Um, all right, listen, everybody, big, big thank you to you, Nick. Of course, I know this is your show that I've gate crashed here just for the last few minutes. Obviously, a big thanks to Sophia as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really enjoyed that interview. I'm looking forward to Stuttgart's We can always, always up for chatting about tennis with you, John, um, online or offline. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And I'm looking forward to being back next week to uh, talk about um, what drama may have unfolded in Stuttgart. Yeah, and see Emma Raducanu win her first title on track. <laughs> that would be madness. Utter madness. It would. it would, but you never know. It's a strange world and, and the WTA world in particular. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. And you'll subscribe, especially because uh, we'll be back again next week with loads more shows, but of course, culminating in Nick's WTA roundup uh, next Sunday. So thanks, guys. Cheers, Nick. Cheers, John. Cheers, everyone. And I'll play us out with this little video. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.